Hey, everybody. Welcome once again to the Football Fandemic. Looking at week five, previewing week six of the National Football League. Stick and join us for all the news and the latest talk on the Football Fandemic. Right, you uh, you are here with uh, Matthew Thomas and Josh Haupt, Brandon Colmark once again skipping out seems to be his modus operandi here of late, but uh, he uh, evidently has a job. You know how those jobs do you? They get in the in the way of things. Uh, but we're going to cover some stuff for him a little bit uh, as we look down through the Homer highlights and the games and such. Uh, but we're going to start off this week talking about some of the stuff that's gone on around the NFL. For me, I I didn't really uh, ever pay much attention to Deion Jones, linebacker that was with the Falcons. Evidently was good and was traded to the Browns for a late round pick. Um, I don't know much about him. Josh, do you know much about him? I just know he was, you know, good, like kind of, you know, I guess put in the top 10 linebackers when healthy. I mean, he started on IR this year. And from what I understand, they just didn't like he was at the... I think his contract ended next year and they just didn't want to extend him for the price he was asking for. They just sent him to Cleveland for like a sixth or a seventh and then exchange for, you know, that same year, sixth or seventh. So basically they just switched picks and traded him. Okay. Okay. So Deion Jones there with the Browns, uh, they're going to need all the help they can get. They just kind of keep pulling up a little short in some of these games. Panthers though, uh, they've pulled up short in just about every game they've been in. And finally, Tepper got mad and said, Rule, Matt Rule is out. He's gone. And uh, are they getting rid of other people? Or is is he just the be- is he the beginning? Is he the only one? Who all has been kicked out of that Panthers organization? Besides Matt Rule, the only one I know of is um, the defensive coordinator. I don't know his first name, but it's like it's something snow. Basically, the defensive coordinator was like, oh, also. Okay. Well, I can tell you one thing. Their offensive coordinator should be looked at nice and hard, too, because they've had Christian McCaffrey and have barely used that guy this year. And mm-hmm. uh, They're looking to um, what the basically cleaning house is what I, when I said on the script is they're looking to, uh, rumors are, they're looking to trade like their star players, Christian McCaffrey, B.J. Moore, Derek Brown, Brian Burns. They're looking to trade all those for picks to you know rebuild towards the future. Start over. Well, um, sometimes that is the way to go. It's got a painful year or two of just, you know, nothing in the cupboard. Um, But that's the way you get a young team that is growing and moving. It's one of the things that's so hard for the Colts. We keep grabbing these old quarterbacks. And the guys who are young guys who are in the prime, they're not going, by the time we get a young quarterback who's going to be the future, they're all going to be old. And you just get in this cycle where nobody's on the same page. You don't have the whole team together young. And sometimes you got to do that. And to do that, you just, you blow it up. So looks like that's what's going on with the Panthers. Um, So if you have any of those Panther players uh, on your fantasy team, sorry, you might not get a whole lot from them for the rest of this year. Depends. There's still a lot of year left and sometimes, um, Players have stepped up after a firing of a coach, but we'll see. On the other uh, end of the front office, the, the the owner, we have big news about Dan Snyder. Um, it, the pressure is getting greater. Pressure is getting stronger, and he has uh, raised up and shot back, I hear. Is that right? That's what I've, there's, that's what I've been reading, I guess. There's an article... 
I can't find the article anymore. I thought I liked it on Twitter just so I could kind of talk about it. But um, basically, there's an article that says that Dan Snyder is looking is hiring private investigators to give to grab you know quote unquote dirt you know you know stuff that's inappropriate for owners to do kind of like what he's been doing on other NFL no owners including Roger Goodell and to quote unquote blow up the league so everybody else gets in trouble et cetera et cetera. And Senator has allegedly said from said privately to other people, the NFL can't F with me. And so he's, you know, going full on in this. If they're going to mess with me, then they're going to get messed with at the same time type of deal. That's uh, going to get interesting. Yeah. He probably does have a lot of dirt on a lot of people. And it just comes down to whether they're like, okay, we've got to bite the bullet and take the pain, take the PR hit to get rid of him and then deal with everything else, or if they, once again, back down and Dan Snyder stays where he's at. We'll see. What's funny is, though, in this, I don't know if it was in this article, it can, kind of seems like it was in this article because it just kind of recently came up within the same time this article was, you know, published or whatever, but in the article or whatever, it says that Dan Snyder was the one that advocated and was the basically one that said, we're getting Carson Wentz. We're going to go after him. And I don't think Von Bear had a say in it. He didn't have an opinion. Even if he wanted to, he probably wouldn't have. But Dan Snyder was a 100%. A quote here says, oh, it was 100% a damn move, says sources with the knowledge of the inner works of the deal. But Dan Snyder was the one that got Carson Wentz, basically. Well, hearing Ron Rivera talk about oh, yeah. what's the difference in them and the rest of their division, it sounds very much like he's not a fan of Carson, even though he kind of stepped back and said, you know, Carson, I feel like he did, you know, everything he needed to do or whatever. Uh, he, he basically said the difference in us and them is a quarterback. And this is not uh, in a class where it's like young, upcoming, uh, elite quarterbacks, right? Who are the quarterbacks? You got Daniel Jones. That guy's mm -hmm. like uh, half a mess. And so for him to say the quarterback is the difference, really, he should have said Saquon Barkley there's a difference, but yeah. he didn't. Jalen Hurts. Um, Jalen Hurts, he's kind of a difference. Yeah, he's, he's, difference. he's coming up and making and some moves. Dak Prescott or Cooper Rush, whichever one you consider, but I'd say both of them are pretty pretty good for well, right now. Here's the thing. Dak Prescott's pretty good. He's been hurt all year, and Cooper yeah. Rush has been doing what he needs to do, but it's really that defense um, mm -hmm. that has been winning them games, and, and Cooper Rush just hasn't been making mistakes. And so I guess, you know, is he saying Carson Wentz has been making the mistakes? Is our defense good enough? I don't know that the defense is in Washington. I don't no, think really. it's. The, I don't think the quarterback is the difference. Whatever Ron Rivera said, I think there's a whole bunch of difference in what's going mm -hmm. on with these teams. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Whenever we get into our home highlights, talk about yeah. the game. It's kind of it'll get there. Well, I tell you what, let's jump into talking about some of these games that happened this last week. Uh, we'll start with actually a homer highlight because last Thursday. Uh, Colts played the Broncos, and I wasn't super confident that they would win that. I said, you know, I think they're going to lose as much as I want them to win. And what has been called one of the most disgusting and ugly games that we've ever seen and had to sit through, uh, Colts and Broncos, the Colts did win by four field goals over three field goals, <laughs> 12 to nine. It was a really ugly game for about everybody in that game except McLaughlin, our kicker, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the worst part about it is the worst thing I can see coming of them beating the Broncos. So the, the good thing is maybe they, you know, salvage a little bit of season and they can start pulling together and, and Matt Ryan can get on the same page and, and things get tighter and they move forward and win a bunch of games. And we all look back and said, oh, how did we doubt them? But what's scary is they could uh, look at this game and celebrate it thinking, OK, so see, we're not so bad. 
when in truth they really are right now bad. And if they just celebrate this and, and, and think, okay, we're okay where we're at, then we got trouble coming up because they have to come together more. Uh, right now the offensive line, the highest paid offensive line in the league is looking like junk. The uh, defense has been looking good, uh, but our offense just has not been able to do what it needs to do. Matt Ryan is still not comfortable in this system. Um, and that offensive line, just letting people harass him has not helped anything, but in, in lieu of, and even in, with all that, our wide receivers aren't the best wide receivers. It's what everybody's been saying. You know, Michael Pittman is reliable, uh, and you get a few plays here and there from some of the others. Doolin just went on IR for at least four weeks. Um, so that makes it even worse, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know that the Colts can move up into that we, we scare people <laughs> right now. They don't scare anyone. And, uh, as a matter of fact, the only people they scare are their fans every week. So you mentioned, uh, O-line and I was going to bring this up whenever, uh, uh, I talk about the commanders game, but, um, there's a, um, like a graph, you know, how like they do these graphs of win percentage rates or whatever of offensive line win percentage rates from last year compared to this year. Mm-hmm. Um, run block wins is vertical. So it's still, I don't know. I can't remember. I think it might be the y-axis. Pass block is the x-axis. x-axis, And um, so they have, last year, the Colts had a 70, about a 70% uh, run block win rate. And they had about a, a 61, 60% pass block rate. This year, oh wait, um, wait, last year versus year. This year, the Colts have a, like a 46, 45 pass block rate and a uh, 68, 67 win, run block win rate percentage wise. Well, I'll tell you this. It's not pretty. It's not. It's not pretty. And uh, that old line has got to somehow find a way. And, you know, at this point, they're kind of sticking with Ryan Kelly as our center. And he's, mm-hmm. a, you know, he got really, uh, he got paid. He's supposed to be really smart, but. At this point in the season, I almost feel like put Danny Pinter in there because Ryan Kelly has not been good. And he's not the only one on that line. But, like, it's just like it seems like every every two plays, you got somebody running free at Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan's not mobile. And so Matt Ryan has looked worse uh, than he is. I mean, part of it is he's not the young quarterback who can say, okay, I've got a bad line. I'm going to make it okay because I can roll out. I can run. I can run, throw on the run. All that stuff's not, that's not Matt Ryan anymore. He's 37 and he's looking like a really old 37 because of how bad that offensive line is. We need to get that figured out. Uh, we, I think we did lose our offensive line coach, um, this last year and we let someone else step mm-hmm. into that position. That could be part of it. Could be the coaching, could be the players, uh, you know, from my outside vantage point, I don't really know. I don't know what the problem is. I just know there is a problem. And so they've got to get it fixed. Not big fans right now. Not a big fan of the Colts. Even with that win last week, they won, but it, if yeah, I'm sure every fan base has felt this. Have you ever had a win that feels like a loss? That's what this oh, yeah. last week was. It was a win that felt like a loss. And the, the truth is we would have lost had their kicker been able to kick it at the very so, end. Yeah. But at least they learned from their mistake. You know, in week one when it was like, everybody was like, oh, you need to trust Russell Wilson to pay him 250 million a year for to do this, et cetera, et cetera. And they kicked it and they missed it. At least they, you know, realized that or, you know, listen to people or whatever. And they trusted Russell Wilson and instead of kicking it. I mean, 
at that point, I just feel like they didn't want to end in a tie and they wanted to, you know what I mean? They didn't want to go yeah. through that. The only thing we had going for us was Stefan Gilmore played great. And, mm-hmm. uh, he, he made some clutch plays. Well, that not the only thing. The defense really did stop them. Now, it's also how, how bad is Russell Wilson right now? You know, we can say, oh, they put it in the hands of Russell Wilson, but he hasn't looked great. He has not looked good for what money. And I think it's the same thing that Matt Ryan is. You don't just come from years of playing in one system and just pick right up in another system. You have to adjust. You have to learn. They both may get better as the season goes on, but will they be able to dig themselves out of the hole that they, they get in before? And I, we're going to say the exact same thing when we come to Carson Wentz, um, mm-hmm. you know, but we'll get to there when we get to there. That's the case, I think, right now with the Colts and the Broncos. It was an ugly, ugly game, and um, I'm just glad we got the win because a win is a win, but that was an ugly win. And I think Jim Irsay said, there are no ugly wins, and I would say, I disagree with you, Jim. That was mm-hmm. an uh, ugly win. Uh, and I, I really did not like and you never know how much this is for the players, the, the coaches talking about things in a very positive way they're they're probably trying to boost up their players give them optimism but to a fan you're like how can you sit and talk talk optimistically about what we all just watched and uh poor frank he's still on the hot seat as hot as ever right now that that win you know extended him a little longer yet but he's not off the hot seat I, jim uh ursay is not one who's typically fired in mid-season so he may not see anything till the end of the season, but he's got to string together more of these wins if he wants to stay in this building. So I, on the other hand, I will say, I will go out on a limb and say, I like Chris Ballard. Um, now I do wish Chris Ballard would have gotten a left tackle and a couple veteran wide receivers, or at least one, you know, to compliment mm-hmm. us. That's, that's Chris Ballard's job as the GM. Uh, I think he let it down there, but he's drafted so well uh, in his time here. I'm a fan of Chris Ballard. I like I like Frank Reich a lot as a person, but I do sometimes um, feel like he's not quite prepared to start a game for the opposing team, that he's not ready, that he's not aggressive enough. I, I say that, but he goes on like every fourth down. He goes for it, sometimes frustratingly so. But um, I don't know. Maybe I feel different when, when and if they begin winning again. Hey, let's move on. Uh, Giants at Packers. You know, everybody, everybody in the nation was like, yeah, Packers got this one sewn up. Okay, so let's move on to the next game. This one was in London. Oh, both of them were over 500. It was a big deal. Uh, At the beginning of Sunday, Brandon was like Mr. Happy, tweeting all the time. Uh, Oh, the Packers this. I love my owner. You know, I would be. I mean, uh, I love my coach. He was just all praising Matt LaFleur and, going mm-hmm. through but as the game went on the tweets got less and then when the game ended i saw nothing i saw no tweets about like well we lost or whatever it was just like <laughs> he went radio silent on us and i understand that as a as mm-hmm. a colts fan when i when i think we're going to beat the jaguars and we ended up laying an egg against them you didn't see any tweets from me you didn't hear anything because i was just too angry to talk probably the same thing for brandon but uh, the packers lost 27 to 22. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had it in his hands to end the game. It was batted away, right? The last play. Nice. Yep, two times and, uh, in a row. Aaron Rodgers, uh, everybody keeps talking like, okay, they've overcome it and they're stepping back into their stride. I've been guilty of saying that, but he is just not yet with those wide receivers. And it shows. 
it shows. Um, I don't know what their future looks like here in the NFC North, but uh, that wasn't a pretty game. I think he had a few things he wanted to say about it. We may not touch on yeah. all eight pages of it, but give it's us a few. Nice. It's eight texts, so it's probably like half a page right now. But <laughs> from what from what I have to say about this, real quick, is um. The Giants, they just keep bowling, and it's not because of Daniel Jones. I think it's some of it's Brian Dabble who's coming in with an aggressive coaching mindset, but a lot of it is they finally have Saquon back because he was injured a lot last year, the year before, whatever. They have, finally have him back to rely on where Daniel Jones can just like manage the game if he needs to, kind of like a Ryan Tannehill type of thing or an Alex Smith, the commanders of the football team, whatever, in 2020. You know, that's Daniel Jones right now, and they finally have someone that can, you know, Right, you know, workload the the running back with it, and that's or, you know, private workload. All on the coach. That's all on Dayball, mm-hmm. uh, because he knows he knows that they have yeah. Saquon, and he knows Daniel Jones is not Aaron Rodgers, and so mm-hmm. he he schemes up the right thing, and he schemed it up right against uh, the Packers, Matt Lafleur, mm-hmm. and them. They they could not overcome it. So Brandon said, "Stop sucking in the second half and run the ball. This will solve ninety percent of our issues." We've got the number one back in the NFL for yards uh, yards per carry, but he's ranked 19th in touches, which um, this game, um, I'm not sure about past games, but at least this game, Aaron Jones, 13 carries, 63 yards. So he's getting yards, but like Brandon said, he's not getting enough carries. I mean, A.J. Dillon has six for 34 yards, so the carries are actually a pretty big problem, which I agree with. How much is that um, on the floor, and how much is that on Rodgers? How much do you think the, Rodgers audibles to what he thinks is a uh, – uh, play that's better for them. That's a pass play, and it's not connecting with his receivers. And he's Probably not like, used to that because he's used to having Devontae Adams, who can always catch what he throws if he needs mm-hmm. to. I'd say uh, at least within a range of twenty-five, around twenty-five percent. I'd say because I feel like if at, at a certain point, Lafour would be like, you know, really upset with how many times Rogers is audibling, even though how good Rogers is, you know. Lafleur is the coach. He knows what these schemes are in the defense just as much as Rodgers. And he knows how to attack these things because that's what he does for a job. Whereas Rodgers is just, you know, it's just to identify these and, you know, I guess throw a ball in the perfect spot. It's, that's not what they do, but that's kind of a, of a, a little summary of what they do. But I feel like Lafleur's job is to coach and identify these things, whereas Rodgers is just to work with these things. And, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, but you can say that. But Rodgers has a real desire to have control, um, and we've seen that in the past. So it may be more than you think. And then he said, um, continue with running. He said he needs to be top seven minimum with the way he's playing because I agree he's playing. He's one of the best run, like top three, maybe top two running backs in the league right now, and he's not getting the, you know, the touches. He's, he needs to be like Saquon, basically. They need to rely on him more because of how much success he's had with the amount, amount of touches he's had. They, they just need to rely on him so much more and relieve some pressure off Rodgers, which would probably lead to, you know, more, you know, trust in his receivers because he's not throwing to as much, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then he said special teams look good. I can't blame anyone there. So the Packers are now what? Three and three? Three and two. Three and two. They've only been five games. That's right. I don't know why I was thinking there more. So they're still, they're still over 500. No, mm-hmm. no reason to get worried yet, but there is reason to be concerned. Um, if they can't get the second half, if they can't run the ball more, if they keep having trouble with their wide receivers, who else might beat the mighty Packers? 
they have a pretty pretty easy next two games before they play the Bills on um, October thirtieth, Sunday night. But they play the Jets this week, and then they play the Commanders next week. So that's easy easy two wins before they probably lose to the Bills on Sunday night. You know. Last week, I think people would have said they might have an easy game against the Giants. I think a lot of people thought the Giants were flukes because the Giants had only played teams like the Jags and the Jets. The Jets yeah. just beat somebody this week, too, didn't they? They beat the Dolphins, who were yeah, formerly undefeated. Dolphins. Now, the Dolphins didn't have Tua, but yeah, still, they put up 40 points on them, and that says something about a defense. Um, so we'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see what happens with those easy-to-beat Jets. Better not overlook them, Packers. Better not overlook them. Hey, let's move on to the Chargers. I mean, let's move on to the Lions and the the, uh, Patriots. Lions and Patriots. Lions got blanked on this one. They've been like scoring so much these last few weeks and not pulling out the win. This time they said, we're not going to pull out the win, but we're just not going to score, period. Uh, I can say that. Colts have been there. Um, It's not a good feeling. Lions just flat out did not play. Yeah, Patriots did what they needed to do. I don't have a whole lot more to say about that. They did either. use I mean, their. I didn't watch the game, but they did use their third string, right? The zap yeah, something. But, <laughs> gee whiz, I didn't realize this till now. But they just like the Giants do this. So the last four games, they've relied heavily on their running back. They, I mean, Bailey Zap, seventeen for twenty-one, hundred eighty-eight yards, a touchdown, interception, kind of average, you know. But their running back. 25 yard, 25 parries, 161 yards, and a six and a half average carry rush per carry yard. So they were just like the Packers do. They relied heavily on their one game, and it completely worked. Just like the Packers should have done. Uh, just like the Giants and the Packers should have done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's move on from them. Good job, Patriots. You're still in there. What? So what's their record right now? Um, um, three and two. They're three so and two. They, right, so. Yeah. So right now, no, sorry, two and three. The Jets are three and two, second in the AFC's East, and then the Dolphins the third, Patriots are fourth. Uh, Dolphins are what's their record? Second. They're three, three and, two and two also. But yeah. they have the Jets at the edge because they beat them. So that division is a lot, lot closer than it's ever. You know, it used to be New England way at the top, everybody else way mm-hmm. at the bottom. It's it's a little more spread out now. So good for that. Good for for that division. Um, moving on, Chargers and Browns. I started to go to it a minute ago. Um, again, uh, the Browns just pulled up short. Cade York, who is my kicker in fantasy, missed a go-ahead field goal as time expired. Jacoby Brissett sitting there just shaking his head. But the Chargers needed that win if they're going to kind of get back on track and stay where they need to be. They had Justin Herbert back, and they played a good game. Browns played a good game. But mm-hmm. just not good enough. Texans, I'm Jaguars. A, uh, oh, I'm noticing a theme. These last three games, you know, Packers, Giants. Um, what do we just do? Patriots and Lions, and then this one. The the running backs are clearly the you know the reason that the most of the teams are win- are winning or close to winning. I mean, Eckler had 173 yards and a touchdown on 16 carries, 10 and 11 yards average. Then Nick Chubb had 17 carries, 133 yards, eight eight yards average, and two touchdowns. I mean, it's I mean it's not really. A big, de- a big surprise, kind of, because they have star running backs, but it's a little bit surprised just because of, you know. Yeah, and you're gonna you're gonna see that more as we go down this list. <clears throat> I actually heard uh, television, <coughs> excuse me, television commentators talking about you know how the run game has been minimized and the pass game has been like maximized in in NFL mindset, but mm-hmm. that running game, if you have it at the right way, it doesn't matter how many total yards you get. 
what matters is when you get a lead, can you like have your running back like run that clock out the fourth quarter and yeah. keep getting first downs? And uh, I think it was Dallas I was watching, and they did that. Dallas, uh, I think they they won, right? Let me look down at whoever. Yeah, they won. They beat the Rams. Yeah, they beat the Rams. And it was like heavy on their running game. Uh, Pollard and Elliott at, in that fourth quarter, just run, 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 run. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll see that more as we go. Let's look at the the next. Uh, the way, uh, first, um, I'm trying to look at where we're at. I lost my place. Uh, we I just talked Chargers Browns. Yep. Texans Jaguars. <coughs> Excuse me. Houston finally won a game. Um, Jaguars were looking tough earlier this year, but I just don't know about this AFC South. Uh, it looks like Tennessee might be in the power seat again because Jaguars lost to the Texans 13 to 6. Game was boring, a lot like the Colts Broncos game. It was just not exciting. But they ran the ball, those Texans. Mm-hmm. Um, Damian, is that his name? Damian Pierce? Damian Pierce, yep. He's uh he's proven to be a good pickup for them, and they ended up beating the Jaguars. And so now they have their first win. There are no winless teams in the NFL. There's still one unbeaten team in the NFL. We'll get to that in a moment. Moving on, Falcons, Buccaneers. Uh, this was the big controversial roughing the passer game, right? Tom Brady okay. got tackled. One of, the, one of them. Yeah, Tom one Brady them. got tackled, and it was called roughing the passer. And I watched it over and over. I saw I no too. roughing the passer. I don't he either. came in, he just grabbed him, and like brought him to the ground, just like you would do anybody you were tackling. And this this coach, or I mean this referee called it and uh, possibly changed this game's outcome. Oh, yeah, it easily did. I mean, they were losing by, I don't know, I think it was like they were losing by if they were losing at least by six, because they lost by six, but I'm not sure if they were losing by any more at that point, but they were losing 21-0, to zero, and then they come back by, you know, make it a six-point game, and I believe this happened afterwards where they just, the game, you know, it was like a third down. If they got the sack, they would have punted, and then they just call that, and it's over. But what's stupid, you know, like, they need to have a set, you know, mindset or a set, you know, rule of is this pass rough and pass or not, or at least make it challengeable, you know, kind of like pass interference, I think is, or at least Sean Payton's, you know, during the yearly meetings or whatever, said we could we should be able to challenge you know PIs or whatever. And I think they thought about it or whatever, but they should be able to challenge roughing the passers as well because this was called roughing the passer, which is clearly not. And then last week or two weeks ago, whenever Tua got you know slammed to the ground, concussion protocol, whatever, no roughing the passer at all. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it is something that did come up at the owners' meeting, but there are no changes um, after that meeting. They've decided not to do any changes this year. So we're going to have to deal with that more. Hopefully they, like, whoever is in charge of these referees, they sit this guy down because the same guy made a very questionable call mm-hmm. before, same way. And uh, somebody needs to sit him down and say, listen, you better get this right or you're not going to be doing this job. Somebody else is going to take your place. Uh, because those kinds of things can ruin a game. Ruin a game. Steelers at Bills. Uh, by the way, uh, Buccaneers won that game. Um, as we talked about, Steelers and Bills, Bills, uh, quite an ugly game for Mike Tomlin and crew. Mike Tomlin may not get to 500 this year. This may be the year that it does not happen. But uh, the Bills, they they flat out, they they kicked that game out of here. Yeah, I don't think there was any contest in that. It just didn't look good for the Steelers at all. Anything you have to say about that, Josh? Well, earlier we were talking about like how, you know, these teams are heavily relying on the run game and it seemed to work. 
this is one of those games where they completely relied on the passing game, and both actually both teams did. I mean, um, Najee Harris, 11, 11 rushes, 20 yards, about two yards a pop, or two, yeah, two yards every carry. And their passing was uh, 34 attempts, 52 yards for 327 yards and an interception for Pickett. And then on the other side, it was 20 yards or 20 attempts, 31 attempts, 30, 21, 20 completions, sorry, 31 attempts, 424 yards, four touchdowns and interception for Josh Allen throwing. And then six for six carries for, for the lead receiver, six lead rusher, sorry, uh, six carries and 42 yards for Devin Singletary. And then uh, Josh Allen took 42 yards himself. So, you know, we're seeing kind of things flip around every game we've gone through is that it's either passing or rushing, but this one seemed easily to be passing. Yes. Easily. I mean, Davis almost got 200 yards receiving and on 200 yards receiving and only three receptions. Well, this was a game suited for Josh Allen, who does throw well, but mm-hmm. not for the Steelers who are deal, dealing with a, a young quarterback who just starting. It was over before it began. Bills win. Jets at Dolphins. We've already alluded to this game. The Jets, the feisty Jets, came and put 40 on the Dolphins and kept them the 17. So there is the fact that Tua wasn't playing. Okay, that's why they maybe didn't get more. But they didn't stop the Jets from scoring points either. That defense in Miami, it was it wasn't everything it was supposed to be. Or is the question correct? Are the Jets improving? Maybe, maybe, maybe we're gonna see you know Zach Wilson do what everybody was hoping he would do last year uh, as he comes back here. So Jets win over the Dolphins, and now everybody in that division is sitting closer together. So we got Dolphins, Jets, and and New England all at three and two. Is that right? Dolphins uh, and Jets three and two, and then uh, Patriots two and three. Okay, Patriots at two and three, and then the Bills, of course, at four and one. Four and one. So they're all within striking distance, pretty mm-hmm. much at this point in the year. Uh, Bears at Vikings. Uh, Minnesota pulled this one out. Bears made a comeback, but uh, they just couldn't do it as that uh, ball was ripped away there at the end. The Bears lose again uh, Minnesota now in the lead in the NFC North is that right yeah by a game or by a game and a half technically because if they if they lose the Packers win next week they're still ahead because uh, the Vikings beat them head to head so right now I think it was Josh who said the Vikings would win this division mm-hmm. well we'll see as we go on uh, we've always uh, seen the Packers be able to pull back in and take off and just leave everybody in the dust. Will that happen again this year? We'll see. Um, Titans at Commanders. I was really hoping the Commanders would come out yeah. and score a win to help us in the AFC South stay within. You know, we would have might have been in first place had the Commanders won this. But what what happened, Josh? Um, I I'll kind of start with I at first on this. You know, we're looking at it. I put I think it's time for Rivera and company to be fired. I'm still on mid season. I don't know. I mean, either way, I mean, we're still going to, let's say we fire him this season. Let's say we keep him. I'd say we still get a top 10 pick either way. You know what I mean? So there's no harm, no foul. Even if we fire him though, at least we get a chance to look at, you know, let's say we promote someone, you know, at least we get a chance to, you know, see what they can do. Maybe we hire them or maybe we keep them, you know, instead of cleaning ship, you know, everybody, everybody in that organization, you know, offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, whatever, they either all know Ron Rivera or they were never there before Ron Rivera. At least 90% of them were. So if we know, 
we clean Ron Rivera's company. We only have 10% COVID, so I don't think it happens mid-season because of that. But I'm still in between on it because, I mean, last year we were, what were we, like 2-6 and six or 3-6 and six or something like that. And we came back and we, we didn't come back, but we, we were ended up 7-10. and 10. So we, we are always, you know, better in the latter half of the season. But I don't know whenever we get to, I don't know when the point of too little too late becomes, you know, it's over. We should just start, you know, someone losing to get a better pick type of deal. But I also don't know who would want to come to Washington because of everything that's going on with Dan Snyder. I mean, recently, but overall with this, you know, the scandals, but him trying to get every everybody, every other owner in trouble. I don't know what coach is going to want to come here, honestly. So it's right. like, do you fire him because, you know, he proves to be average at like seven and nine or seven and 10 or whatever, or do you, you know, keep, or do you keep him because he proves to be average at seven and 10 or seven and nine, or do you fire him and try to find, you know, some guy that can actually do something, you know? Yeah. It'll be interesting. How did Wentz do this week? People are going to look at it and they're going to say he did terrible because of that last interception, but Overall, I mean, besides the interception, he didn't play bad. 359 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. But the problem with Wentz, the problem with everybody's going to say with Wentz is, Wentz is the problem, he's the problem, he's the problem, et cetera, because he threw this one interception. But people aren't going to look at the fact that, A, the defense is average at best, even though they kind of, they're below average most of the time. And B, to last year when he had, a, we, we had a top 10 offensive line last year at with Cosby on left, or Charles Leno on the left, left side. Coffee on the right side, and then in the interior was uh, Eric Flowers, Truth Really Air, and whoever was replacing when he got injured, and then Brandon Scherf. So we let Brandon Scherf go because he was asking for way too much to be a right guard. You know, we weren't going to pay that. I agreed with him. And then we let Eric Flowers. We cut Eric Flowers. He was on our team. He was signed for the next year. We cut him, mm-hmm. even though he was like a top ten guard or whatever, because we, we for cap reasons or for money reasons or whatever. And we bring in two guys, left guard and right guard. Both former Panthers, of course, and one of them, the left guard, is completely sucking right now. Like, he needs to be replaced really quick. Eric Flowers is still in the market, and, you know, so people aren't looking, basically, people aren't looking, people are looking at Wentz and saying he sucks because he can't throw the ball, he's throwing interceptions, whatever. People aren't looking at, you only have, like, two seconds. Wentz only has two seconds to throw the ball to his receiver, make a read, throw the ball, et cetera, et cetera, because the inside of the line is so bad that they're just getting rushed, completely bull rushed every time. And it's because of, you know, Rivera and personnel, whoever, I think he's our GM also technically, but Rivera and personnel just said, all right, we're spending all this money on wins. I think we need to make some cuts. And one of them was Eric Flowers, one of our best offensive linemen last year. And we signed a guy that's just below average. So that's kind of a reason why earlier I said, I want Wentz fired, but at the same time, or I want Rivera fired, but at the same time, it's like, who's going to come here to replace him at the same time, you know? And the same question but, goes for your left tackle. You said this left tackle needs to be replaced as soon as no, possible. The left guard. The left guard. Left left guard. Is, we just signed left tackle to like a, an extension, like three-year extension last year. He's doing really good. Tackle left guard, line. you said. Yeah, left guard but sucks. who do you replace exactly. him with? I've been looking at free agents recently. Like, There's just average free agents on the market right now, so it's, it's going to have to come through the draft or trade. But back to Wentz. Um, Played really well throughout the whole game until the last drive, like the last couple of plays, whenever we got down the goal line. And I'm not sure if it's just because of like the play call that Rivera, you know, put in place or Scott or North Turner, not Scott Turner, sorry, North Turner's son, our offensive coordinator. But there's been, you know, rumors out there and most of them have been proven to be true that ever since Rivera became an office or became head coach, 
the quarterbacks do not have the ability, or they don't, Rivera doesn't give the ability to for the quarterbacks to audible whenever they see something that's wrong. So if Rivera takes a play, that's the play. They can't audible if they see something stupid, you know, let's say five guys, six guys, you know, on the line, you know, right in front of the offensive line. We're going to run the ball at one yard line. That's easily a bad call because there's six guys who are going to get stuffed 99% of the time or close to that. But Wentz can't audible that to a pass because Rivera won't allow him to. So that's one of the problems. Mm-hmm. The other problem is, I mean, Wentz made really questionable throws. I mean, we had like 16 or 17 seconds, so he had time to actually read his receivers. But whenever he made these throws, the first, second, third, and first, second, and third down, it was a slant almost every time, a slant. He'd hike it, look at the guy, throw it, stare completely, completely stare down at his receiver and throw it so everybody can anticipate where he's throwing it to, you know, what he's doing, whatever. And all of them were just so quick that they were almost intercepted every time until the last one was intercepted, but... He didn't have time, 16 seconds left. I mean, he didn't make time with himself to, you know, look for a receiver to open, you know, make the game winning play. But he just said, all right, we have little time. Throw it, throw it. Yeah, he just kept throwing that ball and uh, found himself finally intercepted. Uh, And those of us who are Colts fans. Throw it until it works and it didn't. Right. Those of us who are Colts fans, we know we've had that happen to us before Maybe. where um, get down to the end and there's a super questionable left-handed little pass on the goal line. You're like, why mm-hmm. did you do that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I admire, like, the fight, you know, like, you know, this is, I'm, I'm going to play until I win or I'm going to play until nothing. You know what I mean? I admire that. But at some point, I, re- I was talking with a couple of friends last couple of nights ago and I was also watching Taylor Heineke highlights from last year because... Yep. A quarterback and an, a coach and an offensive coordinator needs to realize that at the goal line in this situation, it's not a deep throw where Heineke lacks, but Heineke has the mobility, has the legs, and without offensive line, definitely has you know the room to work, you know, move around out of the pocket, whatever, which Wentz doesn't have. So if you put Heineke in that situation, he can easily move around, find an open guy within that time period, if not scramble in for a touchdown, which Wentz, like he was saying about Matt Ryan, does not have. So these, these coaches, like, that's why you have multiple quarterbacks. You know, that's why you have, like, let's say, if Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson were on the same team, you know, or Mike Baker, whatever. Tom Brady throws the ball down the field. But whenever you need a read option in or, you know, a triple option, whatever, or a Kribri screen, but you put Lamar and you put Michael Vick in. You know, that's how that works, and that's how that will work. You know, that's kind of what the Saints do with say, uh, 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 Taysom Hill. You know, that's what works with them. The problem is most quarterbacks, most quarterbacks do not want to give up the touchdowns to another guy if you're the starting star quarterback there's like an ego that goes with that Lamar would not play part-time Tom Brady would not play part-time it's amazing that Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston do work that out somehow actually Jameis didn't play this last week did he yeah it was Dalton yeah but I think it's kind of like no it's stupid that like that doesn't work but even then, the Wentz's ego is getting completely crushed right now because what we talked about earlier, Wentz continues to throw his players under the bus. You know, it was a couple of weeks ago with Jamie Davis. You know, he needs to play better, along with Jack Del Rio said that at linebacker. And then this week it was. So what is the difference between, you know, quarterback uh, between the division and opponents you have? And he literally said quarterback. Yep. Straight and up. I looked at it, you know, people over the, you know, t- people on Reddit, you know, I follow the, like a commander, you know, fan page or whatever on Reddit, and I follow other people who like the commanders on Twitter. And they've been posting things about how, like, other reporters have asked these other coaches, you know, 
what's wrong, what can be improved? And two of them came up that it was interest me. It was people, somebody asked Sean McVeigh something like, so what can you do or what can be done to help Matt Stafford because he keeps getting sacked or, you know, doesn't have time or whatever. He says, we need to help him work around, you know, we need to help him basically put some more effort in the offensive line or whatever. He's not going to say it's the quarterback's fault. You know, he needs to get the ball out faster, but he says we need to help Matthew Stafford to protect him. And then the other one was Mike Tomlin. He said, something like the reporter asks, so what, are you upset with the performance of Kenny Pickett or the performance overall? And he's like, the performance, it always starts with me. I'm the one that's, you know, delegates the performance, you know, it tells you what to do because he calls the plays, et cetera, et cetera. That starts with me. And there's a completely big line of difference between Rivera and or between Tomlin and McVay up top and then Rivera on the bottom where it's just calling out your players because whatever, whatever. Yep. Yep, and uh, you may be right. Rivera may be not long for the Commanders. You guys did have a player return this week to cheers. Yep. Um, someone who at the beginning of the season, right, was shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, Brian Robinson Jr. Uh, made his debut today. I mean, he didn't do bad. I mean, I could actually kind of do bad. Nine kind of carries, 20 yards. But that also kind of benched uh, Antonio Gibson. So I'm kind of hoping that um like he does better you know i mean titans offense defensive line sorry is is pretty you know pretty good so i mean he got what he i guess he did bad but he needs to improve the offense line can kind of you know i guess you know it's kind of the reason for that basically because the offense line sucks but i'm kind of hoping that once we get something growing with brian robinson jr you know the off the, the run game working you know the offensive line might have you know might improve a little bit and give Carson Wentz more you know confidence and time to throw the ball because that alleviates pressure off him to throw the ball every down you know yep who is this wj3 who wants out um, william jackson third so this is another ron rivera type of issue where so we signed ron uh like the first year he came in, Ron Rivera, we signed a couple, a lot of free agents who said, who were, you know, kind of top free agents, not top free agents, but top free agents at their position, not overall, but at their position. William Jackson, third of our cornerback, was one of those. And we run a zone scheme, you know, a cornerback secondary runs his own scheme. This guy is mainly a man, a man guy. So it's not that like he's one out because, one out because of the situation he's in or the, because the, the team sucks, basically. He said he loves Washington, but he just doesn't believe that this scheme is working with his scheme. So he's a man guy and we run zone and it just lacks the, like it just completely, you know, says that Rivera made terrible decisions as a GM or personnel, whatever he was at the time where he just signed a guy because he was good and didn't even look at the scheme that he was in where he was in man with the Bengals when he signed him. Mm-hmm. And we're a zone running scheme when he hired Jack, hired Jack Del Rio, you know, we're a four, three zone running scheme and just didn't even look at that. And it's like, all right, we're going to sign him because you're, a top free agent position. We're going to try to work it out, but kind of the same thing happened with Josh Norman. You know, he was a man, got man corner. We run a zone and it worked out for a couple of years, but it kind of declined after a while and we released him, you know, at this point, he's like our second or third biggest cap space hit. So I'm hoping, I mean, even if we get a seventh or sixth round of him, as long as the other team takes his full contract, I'd be all right with it. I mean, just so we can have more money, a little bit more money to spend next off season, but it's obviously not working out. I hope for the best with him if he gets traded because at least he's getting out of, out of hell that is Washington, you know, with Dan Snyder and whatever, but I don't know. Yep. Well, the, the question is, can you find somebody who wants to pay all that? Can you find somebody who wants that? And that's going to be know. the tough part. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to Seahawks at Saints. Seahawks at Saints uh, was pretty much the Taysom Hill show, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he came in and did 
so much. And uh, the Seahawks find themselves dropping another game, um, even when they were just talking about Geno Smith being such a genius. Uh, Taysom Hill, on the other hand, New Orleans Saints chalk up a win. And uh, I don't know where they're at in that division. Um, that's their last. Yeah, I, I was going to say they need every win they can get. So they get one this week against Seattle. Uh, second. Yep. Yep. They're second in the division. Oh, yeah, only a game behind the Saints. Or the Buccaneers, sorry, but a game and a half because they uh, Buccaneers right. beat them. Because they're in there so, with the, the Panthers and the Falcons. And the Falcons. The Falcons aren't bad, but, you know. They just lost to average. Tampa Bay, which is like a double whammy, right? Yeah. So uh, 49ers at Panthers. Panthers lost horribly again. San Francisco looked good. Uh, Matt, uh, Matt. Jimmy Garoppolo in there doing what he needed to do and the rest of that team being who they are. And uh, they can look pretty good when they're all on the same page. Matt Rule was fired for Carolina. He's gone. Any idea who the interim is? Have they said that yet? Um, they said it was uh, Steve Wilkes, which is, if you remember, was the former, former uh, head coach in Arizona for one year. The one year they drafted Josh Rosen, and then like he was waiting like 1-15 or something. They got Kyler Murray. Well, they fired him before they got Kyler Murray. He's like, you're out. Kyler Murray is in. Cliff King is in. We're yep. going to cut Josh Rosen. That was the guy. That was the guy. And so now he's going to get a second chance here to see if uh, he has anything in the tank. And uh, we'll see if he gets a chance next year. Eagles at Cardinals. Eagles barely pull it out. They they get that win at the very end, but they remain undefeated. Um, Cardinals got in there and gave him a run for the money, but the, the Eagles hold on. And uh, I thought it would be a, a, a greater margin Eagles win, to be honest, because the mm-hmm. Cardinals – have not looked great, but they can show up at the, the most mm-hmm. strange times, and they did, but not enough. Eagles remain the undefeated team. This is only, what, the third time that they've been 5-0? and oh. So Probably. good for them. Um, I look forward to seeing how the rest of their year goes. But remember, that was that's Nick Sirianni there, the head coach, who was our offensive coordinator uh, up until last year. Uh Last year, he was their coach. This is his second year in that system. But, boy, has our offense not looked as good since he's been gone. So I think uh, Sirianni was uh, a better catch than we knew. And I hate that he's gone, but good for the Eagles that they got him. Cowboys at Rams talked about this wanna, already. Uh, yeah. I want to give a, a big uh, – I put it in here, but I want to give a, a, a shout-out. He's not going to listen. He's not going to hear this probably. But I want to give a shout-out to Justin – Pew, Pug, something like that. The offensive line guy. So, you know, in the game, uh, Matt Amendola, the kicker, missed the game with the tight game time field goal by a little bit. And every single reporter is in the locker room waiting for Matt Amendola to come in. And Matt Amendola comes in, and Justin Pug walks up to them, walks up to the reporters and Matt Amendola and says, this is, this is just completely wrong. You're just waiting on one guy because, you know, we lost the game. Everybody everybody on this team lost the game. You know, it wasn't just one guy. So please back off, et cetera, et cetera. And he told Matt and Dolly, it's all right. We'll get him next week. And just stood up for the guy completely. And I yeah. love that. Yep. It's good to have a teammate who understands that and a team that sees this as a team win. And mm-hmm. it, it has to be hard to be the kicker, you know, when Rodrigo Blankenship missed that game and or missed that and we – tied with the Texans, right? That yeah. was the Texans game. Uh, and then he was gone the next week. Uh, yeah, that's tough. So good mm-hmm. for Justin Pugh. Cowboys-Rams, we talked about this uh, before. Um, the Cowboys looked better all through. The Rams definitely looking like they have that Super Bowl hangover. Cowboys 
uh, got where they needed to early, and then they just their defense was was really good, and they ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball. Right now, I think Cooper Rush looks like, hey, Cooper Rush has won his first four starts, but. Mm-hmm. I think what you're really seeing is this is a really good defense, really oh, yeah. good defense, and this is gonna, a good running game with uh, their two-headed beast. I don't know what his contract is, Cooper Rush. I know he's just brought at least his practice squad when Dak got injured, but um, this is going to be what I feel like if this is like his last year, or whatever. This is going to be one of those situations like with Matt Flynn back into an eleven of the Packers, <laughs> where it was like, although he, although Matt Flynn, yeah, he's an undrafted agent next year, or a UFE, uh, unrestricted free agent next year. So this offseason, he's going to be a free agent if they don't sign him back. But I feel like there's going to be a situation, although Matt Flynn played one game, Cooper Rush has four, maybe five, six, seven games, whenever before Dak Prescott gets back. But to the point where Cooper Rush has been playing good enough, but they're just going to, some teams are going to look at that and be like, all right, this guy's playing enough to make him win, or this guy's playing great. We're going to sign him and be our future, you know, but they're not looking at it like, all right, this defense is completely carrying them, but Cooper Rush is just managing the game enough for them to win. I mean, they're I, sign him. Yeah. I don't see how a general manager cannot look at this and not see what we all see. We all see mm-hmm. the defense. We all see oh, yeah. the running backs. Hopefully, GMs would be smart enough to understand that too. But you're right. Somebody always makes a decision. They make a reach. They shoot for it, hoping. Uh, but hopefully, they don't do too much for Cooper Rush uh, because I feel like, though he's not bad, He's not elite mm-hmm. uh, from what I've seen. He's, he's, he's not elite. He does I mean, what he needs to do. And sometimes yeah. that's that's what you need in a system. So he may get paid. Hopefully it's not like this killing contract that like uh, buries a team. Anyway, the Cowboys won that one. Uh, Bengals and Ravens was a really close game. And the Bengals had it up until the last, what, 46 seconds. And the Ravens got the ball back. And the Ravens went down. And they won. Uh, got that field goal. Justin Tucker playing the hero again, right? Kicking mm-hmm. that Always. kicking that ball. Tell you what, the Ravens, uh, they're still in it, but they seem like they're always right at the edge every week. It just makes oh, me yeah. wonder, you know, I feel like they're a powerhouse and they're like really good, but then I look at like how their games are going and I just don't know. Maybe the Bengals are getting back there. I thought the Bengals should have won that, to be honest. Oh, yeah, me too. They didn't. The Ravens did. Raiders at Chiefs. I think this was uh, the Chiefs beating down the Raiders again, right? And no, not kind of. I mean, <laughs> beating were, down by one point. <laughs> yeah, the Raiders were up 17-0 at one point, but they choked it, of course. But um, this game was, yeah, this game was close, and it was interesting at the least, to say the least. Well, uh, we do know that the Raiders had a questionable two-point try that could have changed a lot of stuff, right? Could have. It would have tied the game, but I kind of sent overtime. See I kind of yeah, could have. I kind of see what they were going for with this. I mean, it was like with three or four minutes left in the game. So if they tried it, you know, and they missed it like they did, they have a chance, you know, because there's four minutes left. You know, three timeouts, two timeouts, whatever, and they have a chance to get the ball back, get the game-winning field goal. You know, but at the same time, if you kick the tank time, game time, you know, kick or whatever, and they go to the Chiefs just go down and score, you're in a two-point conversion, or you're in a a point where you actually have to score instead of kicking that field goal to win it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unless if you stop them, so I kind of see it, but at the same time, it's like you just go for the tie. You know, at least you you blew, you blew a seventeen zero lead. You don't want to hear about it next week. You know what I mean? Yep. And this game had another one of those questionable roughing the passer calls. Seems like something we're going to be watching all through the year. People are going to complain about all through the year. 
because they didn't make a change. So let's see how those get called. Devontae Adams, not on the field, but, uh, well, I guess it was on the field. He uh, pushed a worker and uh, (laughs) is charged with a misdemeanor for that. So that's going to be something to watch. Um, Ian Rappaport reported about it or something, but the misdemeanor, he says, um, yeah, Ian Rappaport, the point to clarify on Raiders wide receiver Devontae Adams. He has been charged with a city ordinance violation, which is a little lower than state misdemeanor assault charge. Per the prosecutor's office, it carries a fine of $250, a fine of a minimum of $250 to $1,000 at the minimum maximum, or up to 100 days in jail or both. Here's the thing. The money is nothing. 150 to 1000 big deal. But the time, that could be huge. Yeah, but I feel like the money is something because the guy... He got pushed over. You know, everybody gets pushed over once in their life, if not more. You know, the guy just wanted to do it because he saw Devontae Adams got that big bag, you know, of money of this last offseason. And then he's like, maybe I can get some of that because he has, quote, unquote, assaulted me. You know what I mean? I guess he did. But, like, you know what I mean? It's like it was a money grab the whole time. You know what I mean? And then this guy's just going to get $1,000. And that's probably what he makes in a game, if not less. Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't think much will come of that. I don't think he'll end up spending time in jail. I think he'll, I don't he'll pay a little bit of money. And they'll probably like instead of a misdemeanor or whatever it was, they'll probably just like work out on like a a sum that the guy Devontae Adams can pay the guy, and it's it's over. It's not on Devontae Adams' record. It's a tough deal, you know. Yeah. So that was our that was our last last week of football games, and we got more good ones coming up. Uh, I'm not going to go through all these results. I think sometimes this can get a little laborious, but I will say that this week. Uh, the top scores were uh, Jacob um, um, Nelson. Nelson, I think. Yeah. Jacob Nelson and Brandon Colmark both scored five and one. Um, we did not score so well, uh, mm-hmm. but that puts our overall. Uh, and I, I'm getting confused now that we're putting in tiers. Uh, it's how much people. Think, uh, yeah, he's putting it in tiers in weeks they voted. But I think the whole thing boils down to at the end, if you have the most right that's the winner. So I don't, I don't think this tier, I don't think this tier thing matters. We're not going percentages. We're going pure wins. Um, so right now we're looking at, I I know I get what he's doing, but I just don't think it's necessary. But, uh, yeah, Brandon Colmark, as always sitting at the top, I think he's, I think he's cheating the numbers again. I think he's, I realize you can do this and I was thinking about doing it just for fun. I think you can go like if you submit, you know, your games, you're done, and then you can submit. You can go in that same Google Drive, put your name in, and submit again. So I was thinking, like, if I just picked all these guys on the left or whatever, you know, the top on this one, and then I picked all the guys on the bottom on the next one, I might go six and zero, oh, and I'll beat Brandon. But that might be what he's doing. You never know that Brandon. That's why he's not showing up. He's he's embarrassed, hanging his head. Uh, no, he's he's probably keeping it quite fair but he is definitely keeping from buying any ice cream for anybody that's for sure Mm -hmm. Uh, the the fantasy football stuff coming up this week be sure to vote this week Uh, if that hasn't gone out uh, now it will go out soon before this thursday night game get your votes in so you can be part of that maybe one of us can get up there and beat him he's well ahead of all of us now um now i guess you're you're pretty close that's all that matters all right 
in the preview coming up uh, this week, the Colts go back to the Jaguars uh, when we're looking at Homer games. Colts going back to the Jaguars who, who blanked them last time. And as much as I would love to say they've got a real chip on their shoulder and they've got to beat this, this is a must-win game. All those phrases you hear all the time, that has never seemed to make a difference with us and the Jaguars. So I'm not even going to say any of that stuff. I'm just going to hope that it can be a win, even if it's an ugly win again um, against Trevor Lawrence and company. I think they come to the Colts this time, so maybe that'll help a little bit. Uh, but Commanders, they're going to be facing the Mighty Bears. Tonight. Tonight on Thursday Night Football. What yeah. do you expect? Good game? I, I feel like just because it's not going to be a good game at all. Um, it's gonna be, <laughs> it might be a little bit better than last week, but it's not going to – just because of how bad the two teams are, it's not going to be a good game. But I'm pulling for the Commanders. You know why? Yeah. I want Carson. I want Carson Wentz to continue to win, so they keep playing him at least seventy percent of the oh, snaps. So yeah, that's got that's but important to me. <laughs> the Commanders, if they have any chance, uh, or if, actually, you know what, Ron Rivera, if you're listening to this, if you have any chance of actually not getting fired midseason, this is a must-win game. Not because of your record at one and four, but because of the next four games you play after that. It's after the the Bears, which I, I will say I think they'll win. The uh, Commanders will. It's at, it's uh, versus Packers at Colts, which we'll be going to um, versus, versus Vikings, and then at Eagles. That is easily either one and three or zero oh and four. You know, so if you lose this game, you're two and eight by at most. I'd say in my prediction by November fourteenth after November uh, fourteenth. Um, is that Monday night or Sunday night? Whatever Monday night or Sunday night. And you're probably, if Dan Sminer is, you know, any smarter than he is, as, as smart as he is with hiring private investigators to find every single dirt he can against every other, every other NFLer, you're going to be fired by that point. But the key to win this game, honestly, I mean, um, Logan Thomas is out. Uh, William Jackson is out because he's not really out, but he's just not traveling because he wants to get traded or whatever. He's basically downgraded. Um, Carson Wentz has a has an in, not an injury, but like I think it's like a strain or something on his shoulder, so that might be a problem. Come on, Carson, pull it together. But I feel like the game, the key to win this game, establish Brian Robinson Jr. and then let Carson work around Brian Robinson Jr. You know, don't just throw it on first down. You know, let Brian Ro- and work second unless you have to. Let Brian Robinson Jr. You know, and Antonio Gibson work, and if it comes to third down, throw it and get the first down. And keep moving forward. Don't have don't make throws that you don't have to make. You know whatever, you know, just as long as you, you know, establish the run basically against a bad defense, a bad defensive line at least. I'd say their secondary is all right. But a bad defense, a defensive line, then I feel like you could win this game. So there it is. That's what we got coming up on Thursday Night Football. And then we've kind of already talked about Jets and Packers, both at three and two. Could be anybody's game. We would all expect the Packers to win. We always would expect that because the Jets have been perennially bad. Mm-hmm. We'll have to watch and see on Sunday to see how that actually turns out. Jets uh, looking a little better this year. Packers looking a little more struggly this year. But I don't anticipate the Packers losing two games back-to-back. So I'm, I'm believing the Packers will win this one. Hey, it's uh, it's been good hanging out with y'all here on the football pandemic. We got some good football coming up, and we got some that we might worry are bad games. But tune in anyway, and then jump back here next week to see what we think about all those and more on the football pandemic. <laughs>